calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by Scott Sigler, The Gangster is suitable for ages 12 and up and contains graphic violence. The Gangster is also available as a signed, numbered, limited edition hardcover while supplies last. To order, go to scottsigler.com slash store. Hello, junkies. This is episode number 38 of The Gangster. Then we got episode number 39. Then it all ends with episode number 40, which means get thee ready for The Gangster Q&A. On Wednesday, September 8th and Wednesday, September 15th, we will be doing live Q&A episodes on our Sigler in Place live streams. Now we do these live streams every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. It's a fun way for us to chat with the junkies and the junkies to chat with each other and kind of reconnect throughout the week and bring some positivity into your life. So on September 8th and September 15th, you can watch those live streams live and ask whatever questions you like about the gangster, other GFL titles, the series, other Sigler books, what comes next, etc. If you can't make the live show, don't worry for two reasons. First, you can email your question to info at empty set, and we will try to answer that on the live stream. And second, we will be stripping out the audio from those live streams and putting it in this very podcast feed for the normal Sunday episodes for Gangster episode number 41 and Gangster episode number 42. So you will still get to hear all the goods. But do join us on those live streams if you can. They are a ton of fun. I think you'll find hanging out with 30, 40, 50 other junkies for an hour on a Wednesday night. It's a pretty pretty darn good time. Speaking of the gangster, i.e. the hardcover, we have an update for you. The books will ship from the printer no later than August 31st, 2021. I will start signing these books as soon as they arrive to us, we will ship out our signed books every day that we can, Sundays don't work, until they are all shipped and on their way to you. A Real Girl thinks it's safe to say most folks will have their hardcover copies of The Gangster by the end of September. That said, with all the pandemic-related issues we have faced, the uncertainty of the U.S. mail system, the shortage of over-the-road truckers, the supply chain paper shortages, and of course, the bankrupting of our original printer— we will feel a whole lot better when the pallets are finally here in San Diego in our grubby little paws and in our control. And since there is uncertainty with shipping these days, we've got extra books coming in so we can fix any shipping tragedies. And now back to the Gangster Podcast. Let me get you caught up on the story so far, and then we're all going to go do some double dutch. 
Previously on The Gangster. Quentin gave Greedock the Splithead, the Gibble Juants, which instigated a change in Greedock called Toltafine. The Toltafine transition is nearly complete. And when he becomes a she, what price will Quentin have to pay for his manipulation and his interference? The bill comes due next on The Gangster, episode number 38. Book 8. Go the Spoils. Githwarts. After seeing Killing and Shrine, Quentin kept mostly to his small cabin, avoiding everyone. That was easy to do. Masal and Virak stayed with Greedock in the abandoned mine. Zan and Beans spent their time doing maintenance on the Oleron's engines and systems. Aya focused on something she called radcasting, and Killing remained in his own cabin, either drunk or sleeping. Quentin tried to watch movies stored in the ship's memory, but couldn't focus on the plots and would find himself staring off into the distance. He wrote and recorded messages to Becca, most of which he deleted as soon as he was finished. Much of what he had to say was about Killian, and he didn't want to burden Becca with any of that. The messages wouldn't actually send until the Oleron was out of the quiescence, and since Ionath was the first stop, there was little point in sending anything when he would see her almost as soon as the messages arrived. He missed her more than he'd thought possible. When he held her in his arms again, so much of this would fade away. Just a few more days. The only thing that helped pass the time was working on the Kraken's playbook. Quentin didn't have one with him, but that didn't matter, as he'd memorized all of it. He designed new strategies and route trees for Denver, Milford, and Halawa. He worked on blocking schemes for Jew. He plotted option plays, plays that let a quarterback run or throw in case his arm didn't get better. That last bet was a pipe dream, he knew. In the GFL, a quarterback who couldn't throw accurately wouldn't even make the team. Maybe his short-range accuracy would return. At least that would be something. He found himself hoping Greedock would pass on Chalton the Moral and Heyman the Distinguished wind up with Bagall the Fishy instead. While Quentin had never met Bagall, the coach's powerful run-first approach would be just what the Krakens, and Quentin, needed to replace Hokor. If Bagall became the franchise owner, he would undoubtedly install himself as head coach. And why not? Who wouldn't want to be the coach of the two-time defending Galaxy Bowl champs, especially with the best running back in football at his disposal? In a run-first offense, Quentin could still be the quarterback, he would become a game manager rather than the offense's featured weapon. It wasn't what he wanted, and he would continue to look for a cure for his arm, but if it kept him in the game, he was all for it. Still, he couldn't get Becca's idea out of his head. What if Quentin became the coach? If Chalton or Heyman owned the Krakens, Quentin was certain he could persuade either of them to make him the head coach. Being on the sidelines was better than being out of the game altogether. Wasn't it? He was working on a package of option plays when his cabin speaker film chimed. Quentin, this is Zan. Are you there? I am. Masol says the Toltafine is complete. The new queen has requested your presence. Quentin felt a chill roll through his chest. Just like that, the wait was over. She wants to see me? I thought that was uh, illegal or whatever. 
You will not see her, Zan said. Screens had been set up to prevent you from laying eyes on her. She wants to talk to you. Force-feeding Greedock, the Gibblejuants, had been Quentin's choice. His and no one else's. Had it been the right thing to do, he would soon know. Tell Masal I'm on my way. Masal and Virak had moved Greedock to another chamber in the abandoned mine, a large storeroom rather than a small cell. Someone had affixed a long rope from stone wall to stone wall. From that rope hung a sheet of dense black mesh that cut the storeroom in half. There was a light of some kind on the far side, a light that cast a weak silhouette of something against the mesh. In front of the mesh stood Virak the mean and Masal the efficient. Masal looked even more exhausted than he had in the rumpus room the day before. Virak looked tired as well. His gray sweatpants clearly hadn't been washed in days. Masal, Virak, Quentin said, nodding once to each sentient in the greeting. Zan told me Greedock wanted to talk to me? That I do. The voice that came from behind the curtain sounded both familiar and strange, but not angry. The silhouette moved. Quentin couldn't make out the details. The light behind her must have been very close to her body because the shadow looked huge, far larger than Quentin, larger than two heavy key combined. Huge and spindly. Something about that shadowy shape made Quentin's skin crawl. Missol, Virak, you may leave us, the shape said. Prepare for the ceremony. Ceremony? That sounded ominous. Quentin watched the worker and warrior leave the storeroom. Virak shut the door behind him. Quentin turned back to stare at the screen. Hello, Greedock. I am Greedock the Splithead no longer. I am Greedoka. She changed the pronunciation slightly. Greedock was now Greedoka. Ah, the ah sound. Like when Killian had pronounced Zan's name as Zantel Ah. Hi, one. He'd been so blind. Zan was a quith queen. How could he have not realized that? She hid in her cargo hold, out of sight. The ship had stores of quith food. She and Killian had known so much about Gibblejuants, the Toltefine process, and the societal ramifications of the transformation. Gridoka, he said. Does the ah signify something? To use human concepts, the ah suffix is feminine. I am female now, so my name reflects this. The voice, so strange. He recognized it as Greedox, yet at the same time it was so different. Deeper, more resonant, with a harsh burr in it that hadn't been there before. So now you are Greedoka the Splithead? The Splithead was the honorific of another sentient entirely. I am not he. Greedox has become Greedoka, yet the Splithead's past belongs only to the Splithead. Cross-cultural explanation of our traditions can be difficult. I'll manage, Quentin said. He watched the shadowy shape of a long, thin leg, maybe it was a leg, play against the screen. Still, you do not understand, Greedoka said. I need a new honorific. You must give it to me. The shadow of a leg, or whatever it was, moved again, paused. Quentin had the impression of a snake shadow tracking unseen prey, preparing for the final strike. 
Something about the new voice and new shape made Quentin want to leave the room and leave quickly. But he would not leave. He'd started this process, and he would face up to the consequences. How would I know what to name you? You are the one that gave me the Gibblejuance, Gridoka said. Therefore, you must provide me my new honorific. That, too, was probably a chapter in The Hidden Queens. If Quentin learned one thing from this experience, it would be to read all of the instructions before beginning. What if I don't want to give you a name? You said you're not Greedock the Splithead anymore. That means you're a new sentient, right? If so, I don't even know you. You should have thought about that before you took on the many responsibilities of my transformation. A common sentiment, it seemed. Now, provide my name, she said. Choose something nice. The leg shadow snapped down fast. Quentin heard a sharp squeal, then a sucking sound. Live meat. Had that come out of the Oleron stores? Of course it had, because the massive supply of food had originally been for Zan. So savory, Gridoka said. Quentin, you really must acquire more of these Githworts for me. I have been informed that we are almost out of them. Githworts. Zan had been wearing a stuffed one for her face. Something about that made Quentin feel queasy. The sucking sound continued. Quentin tried to ignore it and focus on the task at hand. Gridoka was right. He had changed her, so a new name was the least he could do. If Gridoka was a different being from the Splithead, as she said, then maybe something the opposite of violent. Something hopeful. It's a new day for you, I guess, Quentin said. So how about... Gridoka the sunrise. The sucking sound stopped. That is positively lovely. Thank you, Quentin. He was about to say, you're welcome, when something flipped over the top of the mesh screen, flew through the air, bounced against the back wall, and hit the floor. It didn't move. Where Zan's stuffed animal had been plump, this corpse was now little more than a skeleton covered in loose green fur. Greedoka the Sunrise had sucked it dry. What exactly had Greedock become? As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com realm, all lowercase. 
go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Gift words are quite delicious, Gridoka said from behind the curtain. You will acquire me many more of them, yes? Quentin tore his eyes from the shriveled corpse and back to the silhouette. He wasn't sure which was worse to look at. We will find you more, he said. I think. I mean, I'm sure I can. Yes, we'll figure it out. He was responsible for her care until she chose a leader to inherit her wealth. Hopefully, she'd pick Charlton, Haman, or Bagall as soon as she got back to Ionath. Quentin no longer cared who she chose as long as he could be free of this responsibility. I have the Splithead's memories, Gridoka said. I must commend you on how you defeated him. He lied to the Kretorakians about being there for your false schism meeting, but you and I both know that meeting did happen. She sounded happy. Genuinely so. Was that possible? Gridok had been so full of rage. Whether it happened or not is irrelevant, Quentin said. The situation has resolved itself in, in other ways. Yes, Masol told me about that resolution. Imagine, uprisings in your name on 15 planets. You are quite the popular fellow, Quentin. The smell of wet fur. The Githwart, slick with some kind of saliva from Gridoka. Quentin's queasy stomach threatened to revolt. It's, uh, it's hard to believe that the Gridok who hated me so much is gone. Is he? Really? Gone? Gridoka made a sound more akin to a guttural growl than a deep breath, but it struck Quentin as a heavy sigh of exasperation. So suspicious you are. I can hardly blame you for that, considering what the Splithead was like. That reminds me of why I asked you to come here. I must divest myself of my assets. Quentin nodded. Such a strange law that quith females couldn't own assets of any kind. It seemed archaic, but if that was their culture, then that was their culture. Masal has a list of, uh, suitors, Quentin said. If none of those are to your liking, I'm sure he can find you someone who will take proper care of you. I hope so, anyway. I know so, because I've already chosen the sentient who will inherit the split head's wealth. My choice is known as a very honorable, very responsible sentient. And he is known for keeping his word. For the most part, anyway. She'd chosen Chalton, after all. Wonderful. The most protected sentient in the Quith Concordia, and that protection would extend 
to Gridoka. A smart choice. Charlton the Moral's a politician, sure, but he seems like a genuinely good sentient. That's great news, Gridoka. If it really is a whole new you, I wish you nothing but the best. Another flash of a shadow limb, another squeak. I did not choose Charlton the Moral, she said. I choose you. Quentin stared at the shadow. He heard more sucking sounds. Me? You're uh, giving some of your assets to me? Why? A green-furred corpse flew over the net, hit the wall, landed next to the first one. Not some assets, Quentin, Greedoka said. I am giving you everything. You will take full possession of the Splithead's enterprises, both criminal and legitimate. You will provide for my care, now and forever. Goosebumps crawled across Quentin's skin. The thing behind the screen moved again. Just how many limbs did it have? Greedoka, I'm not a quith leader. I can't be your provider. Maybe you're disoriented from the change. I could not possibly be more oriented than I am at this moment. As I have no leader I desire as a mate, and you changed me, that means I may select you as my de facto concubine. Therefore, I give my wealth to you, first to satisfy the law, and second, because the part of me that was the splithead understands what kind of a sentient you really are. I know you will make sure I am properly provided for. He heard her words, and he didn't hear her words. One thought lodged in his mind, one above all others. He'd already watched his dreams come true. Now was he, was it, it was unthinkable. The, the team, what about the team? Congratulations, Quentin Barnes, orphan from McCovey, you are now the sole owner of the three-time Galaxy Bowl champion, Ionath Krakens. The Contract He knew it wasn't a joke. There was a finality to the silhouette statement, an assuredness in Gridoka's voice. There would be no takebacks. This was not a trick. Quentin Barnes was about to become the owner of the Ionath Krakens. Predictable reactions like, You've got to be kidding me, or What are you talking about? popped into his thoughts and were dismissed as fast as they appeared, shuffled along as his soul flirted with denial before slamming headlong straight into acceptance. That acceptance generated a single supernova of a question. But why? Spindly shadows of multiple limbs extended, flexed, twitched. You turned Greedock into this beautiful form to save yourself and your family. The limbs returned to the shapeless center shadow. You wanted to take away the Splithead's power so he would no longer be a threat to you. I understand that you acted out of self-preservation. But you could have made another choice. You had ample opportunities to kill the Splithead. Had you done so, I would not be in this glorious form. Had you done so, Gridoka the Sunrise would have never existed at all. Quentin felt his pulse in his temples. He started to control his reactions, calm his physiological response, then realized those things didn't matter. He didn't have to hide his emotions from Greedock because Greedock was no more. 
I didn't change you so I could have your stuff, Quentin said. This wasn't real. This couldn't be real. I just wanted Becca and the baby to be safe. I never asked you to give me the team. No, you did not ask for it, and yet now it is yours. I know this is the one thing of mine that you will treasure above all others. The Kraken's franchise is a token of my deep gratitude for your ethical decision and the risks you took to make it. He wanted to accept the gift, a thing so grand he'd never even dared to dream it, but it seemed wrong. She called his decision ethical. He'd forced a change on another sentient being, and he was being rewarded for it. But I did this to you against your will. I mean, Greedox will. I mean, the Splitheads will. Quentin Barnes, are you telling me that you do not want to own the INF Krakens? Of course I do. He paused, took a slow breath, trying to get his head around all of it. Of, of course I do, but this feels, uh, like I'm extorting you somehow. Do you think the Splithead would have had a problem extorting anyone? With that question, Quentin felt himself instantly back on solid ground. I'm not the Splithead, he said. The limbs, four of them, six of them, fluttered out again, wavered, almost as if the creature that cast the silhouette was looking at those limbs one at a time, marveling at their delicate length. Those limbs outstretched showed Gridoka's size. If she wanted to, she could effortlessly reach right over the mesh curtain, grab Quentin, and pull him in. As astounding as it seems, she said, Greedock did not want this glorious transformation. He was a simple creature. All males are. No offense intended. None taken. The long limbs again furled inward. No, you are not the Splithead. While you possess many of the same traits that made him successful, you are definitely not the same as he was. It will be impossible for you, a human, to understand the depths of what I now feel. What I have become, what I now am, this existence is more than Greedock could have ever known. What I am now is what I was always meant to be. Greedock was a taker of life. I will be a giver of life. Your reasons for starting this transformation are now irrelevant, Quentin. I am not simply happy with who I am. I am ecstatic. You have done me such an honor. I will live the rest of my life in glory, at peace with the universe. In Quentin's wildest expectations of this dangerous plan, a plan that had taken lives, he couldn't have dreamed it would end like this. If it sounds too good to be true, Quentin tilted his head. It can't be this easy. Greedock was a power-hungry manipulator. You're telling me that everything he was is just gone and the nicest alien lady thing that ever was has taken his place? A caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Yeah, but does a spider? Because Greedock was kind of venomous like that. That he was, Greedoka said. But is it so difficult for you to imagine such a level of personal change? For the Splithead? Yeah, it's hard to believe. You can turn coal into a diamond, but it's still carbon. A horrid sound rose up from behind the curtain, a clacking, scratching tone that made Quentin's hair stand on end, that seemed to push him back a step before he realized he was moving at all. Was that... was that this new creature's... laughter? Well spoken, Greedoka said. And yet, in this case, you are wrong. 
Yes, I am made from the same material as Greedock, but I am something new. You will either accept this, or you will not. Either way, it does not matter, because you are about to be the owner of everything Greedock possessed. Are you ready? He wasn't. He didn't want anything Greedock had possessed. No, that was a self-aggrandizing lie. Quentin wanted the Krakens. Now that the possibility was before him, it would be impossible to let it go. I'll take the team, he said. I don't need the rest. Gridoka spoke out a short sentence in Quith. Quentin didn't understand the words. The storeroom door opened. Massal entered, accompanied by Virak. Massal wore a new uniform that Quentin had never seen before. It was immaculate. Virak wore clean gray sweatpants and had an orange sash running from his left shoulder to his right hip. The sash looked homemade, like something Massal had made from a pillowcase or an old pair of pants. You boys look nice, Quentin said. They should be wearing their finest, Gridoka said. And Virak, as my protector, should be wearing a ceremonial Chaltagoth blade. Sadly, we do not have the proper trappings, but they are not required to make this legally binding. Massal, I was just telling Quentin about the ceremony, how, if an initiator refused to take on all of a queen's former possessions, material belongings, debt, and family obligations included, that initiator would be executed. Immediately. That is what the Chaltagoth blade is for, but since we do not have one, I imagine Virak would need to use his bare hands. But that formality is of no concern, because Quentin has agreed to take on all of my assets and be my provider. Is that not correct, Quentin? Virak's cornea was perfectly clear. No emotional turmoil within him this time. The warrior would do what needed to be done with no internal conflict. Quentin found himself with a bizarre choice. Accept a criminal, industrial, and sports empire or refuse such riches and have to fight for his life just to get out of this room. That word again, choice. In this instance, there was only one choice to make. Gridoka is right, he said. I will become her provider. I guess I really should have read the rest of that book. You acted without proper research or planning, Massal said, which is of no surprise to me. A cold edge in the worker's voice. Gridoka had accepted the change, had embraced it. If any part of her held a grudge for Quentin's actions, she had forgiven him. Massal had not. When this was over, Quentin would make it up to the worker. I am hungry, Gridoka said. So hungry. May we get on with the ceremony? Massal reached into his uniform and produced a small black box. A contract box, Quentin said. This process seems so ritualistic, what with the sword that's supposed to be here and all. I don't have to use an ancient knife to prick my thumb or something, burn some incense, maybe sacrifice a goat. A goat, Gridoka said. I have seen pictures. They look delicious. Quentin, please get me some goats. Quentin made a mental note to avoid all euphemisms that involved animals. This box contains a transference of ownership contract, Massal said. Quite standard, actually, save for the amounts and titles being transferred. Massal walked forward to stand next to the screen. Quentin noticed a thin slot in the mesh he'd missed earlier. 
Through that slit slid something that made Quentin's stomach pinch and his heart surge with the urge to run as fast as he could. A long, thin, black thing that might have been a finger, might have been a leg. The leg finger's pointy tip slid into one end of the contract box. Missal looked at Quentin. Elder Barnes, if you will? Quentin had to put his finger into the same box with that thing? He shivered at the thought. He glanced at Virak. The warrior's baseball-sized cornea remained perfectly clear. At that moment, Virak wasn't a friend, wasn't a teammate. He was a robot, biologically programmed, to do as he was told. We're in the quiescence, Quentin said. The contract box can't connect to the net. The time and date of the transaction will be recorded, Massal said. As soon as we punch to Ionath, the transaction will be processed, retroactive, to the instant the deal is completed. This is binding. Quentin steeled himself, then slid his finger into the box. There was a brief pause. The light on top of the box turned green. It is done, Massal said. Elder Quentin Barnes, you are now the owner of all assets formerly controlled by Greedock the Splithead. Quentin couldn't pull his finger out of the box fast enough. Greedoka removed hers as well, the tip making a skin-crawling scratching sound as it slid free and retreated through the mesh slot. Virak left the room. The mesh rattled as something big and strong smacked it, making Quentin jump away, thoughts of a giant spider filling his head. Now that you have all that money, Greedoka said, acquire me some fresh food. As I told you, I am hungry. You have been listening to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series, written and narrated by Scott Ziegler. Follow Scott on Instagram and Twitter, where he is at Scott Ziegler, one word, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Scott Ziegler. For more information on the Galactic Football League series and for more free audiobook podcasts, visit scottsigler.com. The Gangster was directed by A. Sigler, engineered by Steve Rickyberg. Copyright 2020, Empty Set Entertainment. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Super Weapon. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.